What's up, Dreadheads? I'm John. And I'm Joe. And like many of you, we do a lot with our laptops. From advancing our education. To working from home in a post-COVID-19 world. And even recording this very podcast. Also, like many of you, we dream of a world where our single-screen laptops can be and do so much more. Thankfully, our sponsor, Spider Bracket, has created a solution to do just that. Spider Bracket is the first and only universal laptop bracket. From attaching additional monitors to webcams and even ring lights, Spider Bracket gives users the ability to configure their laptop workstation any way they want and anywhere they like. You pick the what, where, why, and when, and Spider Bracket provides the how. Spider Bracket offers savings of $150 to $400 off of other retail solutions that don't offer anywhere near the quality or portability of a Spider Bracket. And Spider Bracket has already been selected for the 2022 CES Expo in Las Vegas. Check out Spider Bracket on Kickstarter right now and place your order today because quantities are limited. And just for you dreadheads, message Spider Bracket on Instagram or Facebook with your order number and code spread the dread to receive a free 10-inch ring light that is compatible with your Spider Bracket and a free portable ring light for your cell phone. But don't wait. This promotion only lasts until October 16th 2021. So check out Spider Bracket on Kickstarter and be sure to follow and like them on Facebook and Instagram. John, did we just sell out? We sure did, Joe. But when a product is as good as Spider Bracket, we gotta let everyone know that it is Dreadhead approved. Shit Show Dreadheads. I'm John. And I'm Joe. And you're tuning in for a brand new episode of Spread the Dread Podcast. Joe, we're just getting started in Spooktober, baby. <laughs> this is this is the time of the year when ghouls like us flourish. And then, you know, a few of the hanger-ons start dropping off before Thanksgiving. And then everybody goes back to pretending they're real people. And we just continue watching horror movies yeah. and being weird Everybody's the rest like, of the year. <laughs> what do you got planned for October? Huh? Same, Same shit I did the other yeah. 11 months. I, I, I live in the spoop. <laughs> the spoop is real. But yes, welcome to a brand new episode of Spread the Dread Podcast. We're glad that y'all all tuned in. Uh, let's see here. Not a bad week, Joe. You're on finals week. Yes, thank God. Finals week, and you've well, already... midterm finals. Like, it's weird because my semester is split in half, the first one. So I'm about to finish up with uh, clinical skills and pharmacology and doing really well. And I'm just ready to get into the goddamn hospital. Yeah. Got us, got us a nice beach vacation planned for this upcoming weekend. We're going to be heading down to Dirty Myrtle, and I don't give a fuck where you live. You should know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'll, I'll fucking send it out to our fucking, like, you know, people. I think we, didn't we, didn't we at one point, Joe, have a North Korea play? No. No. I felt like uh-uh. we did. No, 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 no. It was... There was definitely there was for a some, Singapore. There, there was, was this random no, there Singapore was from like some a, countries a, that like shit's like really like we you know someone <laughs> might have gotten into a lot of like trouble. 
But I'm pretty sure it was a VPN thing. Had to be. But either way, yeah, Joe's crushing it. We're getting we're getting through shit, man. It's uh it's starting to cool off here. Yeah, oh, thank God. Yeah. I, I know I what's coming, really... so I'm not I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> I think it's funny that it started cooling down after we got the AC fixed. Oh, my God. We sweated balls for like three weeks, and then yeah. the moment they fix it, they're like, here comes a cold front. And I'm like, you fucking, you know, this is this is why I'm this agnostic. This is my bad luck coming into the yeah, relationship. This is, this is why when people witness to me about Christ or anyone else, I'm like, keep it moving. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so let's let's do what we normally do. Get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. Yeah. As you guys all know, guys, girls, either or, neither nor, you know, you clicked on the goddamn thing. This episode, we're talking about Dean Coral and Company. Company. Yeah, That is a big distinction. We're calling it the Candyman Murders, but you know what? We're going to get into all that, but if you're, if all of your other favorite true crime, and you shouldn't have one, Spread the Dread is here for you weekly. <laughs> Why the fuck would you need anyone else? But any of your other ones that are just covering Dean Coral, they're not giving you the whole goddamn story. But you know here, we unleash that motherfucking dread and facts and the fucking beers flowing. So we're going to get into this motherfucker. Our natural fright. We're natural fright. The, the spoop-themed cans of natural light. They have fucking, they have won me. With their crisp, refreshing taste. Yes. And their spoopy cans. I brought John over to the clean, clear side of beer. Yep, yep. I'm partying like a fucking frat boy on vacation in Talladega. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, we, we've got the, the the previous episodes, Louis Garavito's fucking killing it. You guys yeah. are still tearing it up with Armin Maves and Fritz Yeah, Armin Maves is weird. Like, y'all really like your fucking cannibals, don't I'm for you? for real. We got to find another German fucking cannibal homosexual man to talk about so we can pump those numbers up but the numbers are for real you guys the yeah. numbers are fucking crushing it yeah. for a podcast for yeah for a podcast it's only been around since what joe like end of april early we may we made our account on Podbean on may 6 2021 yeah so you know no we're, we're already crushing we're actually cruising pretty good towards five thousand total plays maybe we'll do something special then but keep until in the meantime keep spreading that dread telling your friends and family uh, about Talk it all. Talk shit to us. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, because we love constructive criticism. Not that we'll always take it, but we're willing to hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you need a one-stop shop, place to fucking connect with us to talk that shit or do anything else joe where should that be spreadthedreadpodcast.com what are they gonna find there joe you're gonna find direct links to the most popular podcast streaming services as well as our youtube our bit shoot uh a link into our merchandise store and as well as our donation tiers broken down and do what you will with that absolutely on the top of that website there's a beautiful little Podbean player that has all of our episodes there so if you want to be one of those weird people who don't download apps and try to hang on to your fucking uh i don't know like fucking early 2000s to 2002 <laughs> internet you ain't even got to download shit you can just go to the website and listen to those things right yes. there and we'll be very appreciative but yes the store is up it's pumping orders are out people are receiving them they're giving us fucking high praise for the awesome designs that joe came up with and the great quality that the people over at printful are giving us so definitely check that out and then of course absolutely check out the donation tiers uh again 
you know, you don't have to. We're just putting it up there for some extra special stuff. But if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you'll be getting those uh, the little ads that show how everything breaks down once a week. Uh, and, of course, uh, you can also reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook and on uh, uh, Gmail at spreadthedreadpodcast at gmail.com. As well as. Go ahead. This is your thing. It's not mine. I don't know why you're like, hey, John, I'm queuing you up for some shit I don't fucking have. Uh, you can actually uh, get a hold me on snapchat via std pod that is right that's where joe wants you to send nudes and fucking cat memes yep. uh it's october now so the cats need to be spoopy <laughs> uh but yes yeah, so definitely uh you know all that good stuff um oh man there was one of the, oh so uh, if you guys follow us on ig and facebook and you should we've started pumping out adverts finally for the five star super spreader exclusive spread the dread podcast stickers <laughs> If you have gotten one of those, and I know there's several of you who already have, some of you have sent pictures. I fucked up and deleted the IG messages before before we saved them and when we had this thing. But we did put the first one up, and our girl Pizza Thighs is the first one to rep it, and that's solely because she was the only one that I actually still had in our IG <laughs> inbox. That's not a knock at Pizza or any of the other ones. Unicorn. She was promising us bloopers that we never got. <laughs> she did. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We're not going to post those. Those are just for me and Joe and our perverse thoughts. But yes, I'm talking to Unicorn. I'm talking to Greg toxic i'm talking to fried guy i'm talking to casey and a bunch of you other ones that it slipped my mind make sure that you send those pictures in we actually have it now where we're gonna put you out on our ig and facebook and let everyone know what a true shithead you are and the kind of podcast you actually enjoy even if you haven't fucking told them uh so definitely if you can message those to us over on ig or facebook or on gmail did i cover everything joe Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You're doing good. Keep yep. keep keep it rolling, John. Yeah, but well, we got one more thing before we hop into it. Uh mm-hmm. well, obviously we had the Spider Bracket ad at the beginning of the episode. We want to definitely big shout out to Spider Bracket for sponsoring the show. They sent us all kind of goodies. Uh so, you know, you may have skipped it. I hope you didn't because they have a great Kickstarter that's going on until October 16th. And as we said before, if you will uh message them on IG or Facebook, with hashtag spread the dread, you're going to get a free uh, big ring light and a mobile ring light with your order if you do that. And if you if you work off of a laptop as much as we do, man, that this it's fucking essential. thing, yeah, this thing's fucking. And I'd, I'd like to, I, I hate to like, duh, uh, you know, jump down the rabbit hole with this, no, but do it. I, I actually found Spider Bracket on IG and messaged and was just like, this is a fucking awesome invention. And we started talking and just shit grew from there. But I, I honestly came into it as a consumer. It's oh, just yeah. like, I would love this. What the fuck? Like, why hasn't this been created? Thank you for creating this. So, yeah, definitely check out at Spider Bracket on IG. Yeah, and we do, and all, of, we do all of our shit off of our MacBook. So yeah. with this whole setup, we... we we're being lazy fucks. We've tested the stuff out. It's fantastic. We wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't. He gave us a boatload of other fucking accessories yeah. that go along with it, like ring lights and tablet brackets and all this other stuff. And we're, we, you know, we just, we drink a lot. Joe's in school. I work and shit like that. But uh, yeah, definitely a worthwhile thing there. And hopefully because they hooked us up so much, we may even actually have some video stuff coming soon. Uh, but more on that later down the line. What I want to get to right now now, Joe, 
is our promo swap yes. of the week. This one actually comes from Pursuit of the Paranormal. You can check them out at Pursuit of the Paranormal on IG. This is the real spoops. We're not talking. They're, 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 they're discovering new spookies all the time. We're talking about outdated spookies. But if you're a fan of, you know, paranormal stuff and things like that, you're definitely going to want to check them out. Joe, with your permission, I would like to roll this beautiful promo right now, if I may. Yes, do it. How many greys do you think you've killed over the years? 19, pretty much for sure. Because that day, even though I was a kid, I knew for a fact that what we had just witnessed wasn't human. The only way that I could describe it was that there was there was a shadow stood there. And I believe that it's potentially, I'm not saying 100% definitely, but potentially a real abduction caught on video camera. Join Ash and me every Tuesday as we explore some of the lesser known but fascinating unusual stories from our unknown world. With the latest paranormal and UFO news, a look back at historical cases and special guests joining us along the way, we aim to pursue the paranormal from a different point of view. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg. So once again, a big shout out to Ash and Greg from Pursuit of the Paranormal for the podcast promo swap this week. Definitely check them out on IG. You can, you can find them anywhere, but you know, you guys know us. We're IG fiends over here. Yeah, definitely IG whores. <laughs> absolutely. At Pursuit of the Paranormal. Again, Ash and Greg tearing it up over there. And we are so thankful that they wanted to be a part of this shit show known as Spread the Dread Podcast. So go show them some love, dreadheads. So now the moment that all of you wait. 10 to 15 minutes for on every <laughs> podcast and we promise you it won't take quite as long as the last one and we fucking lie because we've been drinking <laughs> and we remember something that's funny that maybe y'all don't think is funny but the numbers indicate you think it's funny but you stuck around anyway and blah, 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 blah. here we go <laughs> let's get into the episode joe dean coral and company the candy man murders and do that beautiful bio like you always do absolutely so dean arnold coral was born december 24th 1939 in Fort Worth. Oh, wow. I said Fort Worth. That's Fort, Fort Wayne. Wayne. <laughs> you know, I did these notes. That's really fucking bad. You know what, that's, Fort Wayne is listed as one of the most, and when I say one, I mean like top three, like most miserable cities in America. Wow. That I, makes if, a lot if you're more listening sense. from Fort Wayne, I'm not, I'm not saying move, that. Move, The internet's move. saying that. Go to yeah. Fort Worth. Like uh, Joe said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dean died August 8th, 1973. There are 28 or more associated killings between 1970 to 1973. And his aliases were the Candyman or Pied Piper. Yes. And if you know anything about the children's story, the Pied Piper, honestly... I know, like, being an American, I think about someone being called, like, the Candyman Killer. Mm. Like, that's fucked. Like, that's fucked up. But, like, if you really know about, like, the old school, like, like uh, nursery rhyme or whatever it was considered, yeah. maybe it was a grim fairy tale of the Pied yeah. Piper, that's actually way fucking sicker. <laughs> and I'm not going to fucking educate y'all on that because this podcast isn't about education. Are you shitting me? <laughs> Go read a Wikipedia article like a normal scholar would. <laughs> Joe, let's tear into Dean Coral's early life now. Yes, absolutely. So his father is Ar was Arnold Edwin Coral. 
He was born February 7, 1916. He died April 5, 2001. His mother, Mary Emma Robinson, was born May 9, 1916 and died May 31, 2010. Damn, she was like 94. Yeah, yeah. Damn, so his, y'all broads his outlive parents us. got to witness all this shit. So that, that, you know what? Good for them. That's the thing to remember. Good for them. <laughs> they, had, they had like 30 years to process of the fuck up they raised. Yeah. So he was the eldest of one paternal, like full brother and a half sister. She was like, she was like an amputee or something. Oh, God. No. No. She was from uh, Mary's. She's one of those paramedics, right? With the wheelchair. No, paraplegics. There we go. Oh, paramedics. God. Fuck you. If you're offended, turn it off. Why are you here? Um, Arnold actually, his father was very strict with his boys, but Emma no. was very protective of the boys. And the parents, the parents frequently argued and eventually divorced in 1946 when Dean was only six years old. So he had like old. that, he had like that, like fire and ice parenting yeah. shit. Like Arnold was just like, I want to hit him. And Mary's like, I want to hug him. <laughs> and Dean's just like, I, I, don't I care. need to. I need to sell candy and kill boys. <laughs> I think that's what my parents are teaching me. Shh, don't tell too much about it just yet. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Spooptober. So despite the divorcing, uh, Arnold and Mary stayed on really good terms. So they did like that co-parenting shit before it became like an Instagram like, you know? You wouldn't think such like progressiveness would be handling in the 40s in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that bastion of liberalism. His, his, so his father, Arnold, was drafted and ended up being stationed near Memphis, Tennessee. Mary ended up selling the family home to move closer to his base so he could remain in the boys' lives. Dude, it's crazy. It's like they turned into great parents once they divorced. Hey, we know them. Dude, like that. No, I, I honestly, like, I, you know, apart from them raising Dean Coral and creating him, I kind of want to <laughs> shake their hand and be like, you guys were progressive AF for back in the day. Well done. <laughs> Um, so his parents, obviously, because they're in close contact, they're trying to raise these youngins. They attempted reconciliation in 1950. They moved to Pasadena, Texas, but a divorced again in 1953. And if Pasadena, Texas doesn't solve your marital problems, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Pasadena, California. Uh, probably not. They were very, I mean, you know, who knows back then? Just don't look back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. If uh, Jurassic Park taught us anything... Don't look in the rearview mirrors. <laughs> yeah, so despite all this, um, despite the second failed marriage, you know, between the two of them, they remained amicable and Arnold regularly saw his boys. So there was obviously still a relationship. Ah, we can't work it out, but I want you in the boys' lives. Right. He's like, look, I, I would, I know we're split up, but if I could, if, if I could still come around on a regular basis and hit these kids... <laughs> That would be very good. That'd be very good for me, Mary. And she was like, all right, well, as long as when you're not hitting them, I get to hug them. And they're like, deal, handshake and fucking great. <laughs> Dean was described as a very shy and serious boy and rarely socialized with other kids. Dean's mother, Mary, ended up marrying Jake West, who was a traveling clock salesman, and they moved to Vidor, Texas. Dude, Vidor, Jake West Vidor, sounds like a fake name, and the fact that he sold <laughs> clocks door to door 
Like we honestly, red flag, red flag, red flag. I think I think we know as much about Jake West's past as what Mary did. To be fair with you, like, dude, no. If a guy comes up, I'm Jake West. I got a suitcase full of clocks. I got a gun. You need to run on, boy. So this is where Dean and his younger brother ended up with their, um, you know, half sister. So Mary and Jake oh, had okay, their first okay. child together which was Joyce Janine West on August 10th, 1955. Mary and Jake ended up starting up a small candy company from their garage. And out of the gate, Dean worked feverishly to help get the business off the ground. He had had a lot of future plans, everyone. (laughs) Don't think Dean had a strong work ethic. Dean had a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Dean and his brother Stanley were actually responsible for operating the candy making machines. And it helped package the candy so their stepfather could sell it on his sales route into Houston. So they were like actually making homemade candy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they weren't just like a reseller or no, something No, like no, no. They okay, were making cool, it, cool. packaging it, and branding it for themselves. Uh, Dean graduated from Vidor High School in May of 58. And again, he was described as being well-behaved. He was a decent student, described as well as a loner. And his only real interest was playing trombone. <laughs> but <laughs> but did occasionally date women while in high school, too. God damn it, John. <laughs> just crazy he was just like well you know i don't have any new i don't have have any new trombone songs to learn guess i'll (laughs) go on a date guess i'll take someone out to the vidor malt shop (laughs) and maybe pinner which means completely different things in 2021 Someone right now is like, I got a date and I'm going to pin her. I'd be like, ooh. Like, I know, I know enough about like underground fetishes to be like, oh, and, and how do you plan on doing that? But no, this is when they would go to Lover's Lane, give her the old trombone marching band pin, and everyone knew that was his, that was his gal Valentine. Oh, gosh. All right. So, all right, Joe. So, so he's getting out of high school now. Yeah. Going so, into adulthood. All right. So let's, let's get on to that part. And I think we just keep doing it because you wrote all these notes and you're doing a great job. I'm just going <laughs> to keep sipping beer and piping in with shit that everyone thinks is offensive or don't not forget funny. To, and- don't forget to get us the next round. Just whoop, whoop. <laughs> Noted. After graduation, uh, Dean's family moved to a northern suburb, uh, a suburb of Houston, um, where the majority of the candles, uh, the candy sales actually happened. So they kind of so like kicked it in. It was like, strategic. It was a strategic move. To so make this sure. was like, so, so like when they got to Houston, where they like kind of like up in their game a little bit as far as like the candy shit, like trying I, to go a little more bigger. I, not quite. Or just yet. a bigger area to sell. Uh, but I think so too, because like the family ended up opening a new shop called like Pecan Pernas. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, I think they were trying to expand and they're like, well, fuck gotcha. it. The best way to do it, you're, that way, you know. Old Jake West over there isn't trucking all those fucking miles. We've milked all the teats of Vidor, Texas. (laughs) Here we come, Houston. Yes, exactly. (laughs) We've all been there. So here it is. We're now into 1960, and Mary moves Dean back to Indiana to look after his recently widowed grandmother. Now, I will say this. So he's like 2021 now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, 2021. Remember this. He went back to Indiana in 1960, and that's all I'm going to say. That's all. Nobody goes. Just remember this. 2021. Right? Nobody goes back to Indiana, <laughs> especially especially not Fort Wayne. So 62. Two years later, Dean returned to Houston, and the business had actually moved to Houston Heights. That sounds a little it's more a, posh. It it's it's no, it's not. It's actually a neighborhood uh, like kind of outside of Houston, like on the outskirts. Oh, okay. And he ended up moving into an apartment just above the shop. 
In 63, the following year, Mary and Jake divorced. And she ends up opening a new company named Coral Candy Company. She's like, all right, fuck she you, lo- motherfucker. Oh, my God. She's... I'm going to start my own shit. Oh, my God. She fucked him for secrets. <laughs> Look at him. He's ruined now. He's going to no. go back to selling clocks door no, to door. No, there's actually a lot of animosity for this. I'll these fucking bet. Ventures. Now, Dean was named, uh, he was actually made vice president, and his younger brother, Stanley, was made secretary treasurer. Ooh. Now, later the same year, so we're talking about 63. 63. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, a teenage boy ended up complaining to Mary about sexual advances made by Dean. And what did Mary do, Joe? Oh, no. Yeah, she's perfect. She fired that fucking kid. Yeah, how she dare like, you? How dare you? How dare you? Sully the name of my Dean Coral. How dare you think that my son, who's obsessed with something with the word bone in it, would have any interest <laughs> in another boy? <laughs> Move out of here. You don't belong in Houston Heights. You belong in Houston Blights. <laughs> so August 10th, 1964, Dean was drafted into the army. He was, his basic training was actually performed at Fort Polk, Louisiana. I can't remember. One of my brothers went to Fort Polk. I believe it was my eldest, but I can't remember. And if the eldest one's listening, let me know because he's actually a big fan of the show because he's <laughs> fucked up like me. It skipped. And the middle brother, the one right above me between us two, he's got a way better head on his shoulders. Oh, he and doesn't does, listen? Oh, I yeah, am, he wouldn't like I it. I am quite yeah. sure he didn't. It's he's, okay. He hasn't even given me a pity fucking review on Apple. <laughs> <laughs> I love him, but he knows. He's like, look, I can only support you so much. I'm not going to put it on the internet where everyone can see it. But yeah, I believe it was my eldest that went to Fort Polk. If not, yeah, one of them definitely did, though. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine. And then he was transferred to a Fort Benning, Georgia, for his radio repairman training. And then his permanent assignment was to be Fort Hood, Texas. And obviously, while he was in, clean service, no issues, but he did hate serving in the service. And he requested hardship discharge. And kind of explained, it was like, oh, my family needs me to run the business. Ah. And the army actually approved. Because well, at that point in time, they weren't, you know, they weren't in any type of like active war. No, no. So, we were all right, between... family hardship, yeah. fuck it, go back home. Well, and he does have an actual title of vice president. I mean, yeah, it's, it's that definitely does help. Yeah, that does help there. Okay, yeah. fair play. Go on. So, June 11th, 1965, he was honorably discharged after only 10 months of service. Now, Dean disclosed. To uh, some of his close friends, that he had his very first homosexual experience while in the army, hmm. and then his acquaintances also noticed that Dean's behavior around teen- teenage boys after his discharge became a, a little bit more aggressive. Like, I don't know a what it is. Ever, bit ever more since apparent. he got that camo jacket, he's just running up and fucking cheeky fingering all the fucking neighborhood boys, <laughs> and they all don't seem to like it. Well, obviously, he returns back home to Houston. He resumes working for Pecan Prince and Mary and Jake at this point, like I was talking about earlier, is that they were in fierce fucking competition. This is Mary Dean's mom and Jake West, the clock salesman who made the original His candy company. His former stepfather. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. So yeah. they're fucking, they're fucking, Houston's in a turf war right so- now. The candy <laughs> turf wars. And Dean has kind of been like, okay, I, I'm about this life. Um, he's working longer days and he's actually keeping up with the growing demand. He's really trying to keep shit fucking rolling. In 1965, the company ends up re- uh, relocating to uh, 22nd Street, 
across the street from Helms Elementary School. Well, I, f- I feel like that's going to distract Dean Coral. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, probably not the best thing, but that's yeah. definitely high mom. over over like a high overview of things. Right. Yeah, this that's, was- def- that's definitely Mary putting her money where her mouth is, though, when that one guy accused her and be like, not only did I know <laughs> he didn't like- fuck you, watch me move my company across the street from an elementary school and watch him not fucking stare out a window sweating a lot. Now he's a kid in a candy store. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I did Joe. it. I know I did it. I did it. Joe, I my I fucked up mind hadn't got there yet. It would have. It would have. <laughs> but kudos. I, I, I seed power on that joke. Continue. Um, he ended up giving kids free candy. And he became known as the Candyman and Pie Piper at this point. So again, he's the kid of the candy I don't even store. give my own kids free candy. I make them go to the drawer and fetch it themselves. That's how afraid I am of being mislabeled. They're like, oh, can I have a Reese's cup? Like, you go get it yourself and take and call a friend and let them know that you got it yourself. I need two witnesses. Dean was also seen frequently flirting with the teenage boy employees and ended up installing a pool table in the back of the shop where the local youth would hang out. I just thought like, I mean, we why, should have more kids here. Why, should, why go home? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just a stay pool. stay here with me. There's a pool table here. I know you said that the, can- creepy the, goddamn the candy I make myself kind of, you know, kind of tastes like chlorine, but don't worry about it. I know you get sleepy after it, but <laughs> there's a pool table back here. Come on, y'all. <laughs> In 67, Dean befriends David Owen Brooks. At 12 years old, he's so, a sixth grader at Helms Elementary School. Okay, because see, now you took these notes, but I am familiar with the name David Owens Brooks mm-hmm. from how we discussed it. This is a This motherfucker was one. only 12 years old when he first became an, uh, acquainted with Dean Coral? Yes, 12 goddamn years old. Yeah. Oh, f- yeah, so fuck. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, oh. he, he by perfect, the way, everybody, it gets, it gets real goddamn dark. If you're not aware of Dean Coral, it, it's, it's, yeah, fucking, it's about shit's to get bad, about y'all. to get fucking down. Yeah. So strap in, bitches. Grab your nipples. So, Brooks obviously um, was right for the picking. His parents were divorced. He was staying with his father in Houston. His mother had actually moved 85 miles away to Beaumont, Texas. Um, Brooks would often, uh, you know, hang out at the back of the candy store and regular, regularly went with Dean to South Texas beaches. He was also regularly given gifts and money by Dean and Brooks started looking up to him as though he was like a father figure. If Chris Hansen taught us one thing, which he taught us many, this is called grooming. Yes, sir. Yes. By 1968, Brooks was being paid so that Dean could give him blowjobs. Fellatio. So, yeah. I don't think anyone was like, what's a blowjob? And then you said fellatio and they went, oh! You know what's funny? Certainly not our audience. I actually kind of fucked up there because they called it fellatio in all the articles and I wrote blowjobs and I was thinking fellatio, but I read blowjobs first like, uh, you know, I'm like 10 in on these natty lights, so... He was, he was giving There's going to be some errors at this point. He's giving him Satan kisses. <laughs> <laughs> June 68, Coral Candy Company closes. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Dean so, was too distracted with paying to give people blowjobs. He couldn't fucking, he couldn't hand, he was choosing blowjobs over blow pops. No. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I had to up you. You, you you fucking showed out a little bit ago, so everybody get ready. John's on a fucking tear now because he's got to he's got to put Joe back. I got to assert dominance now. <laughs> um, so his mom 
Mary, his sister, Joyce, half-sister, they ended up moving to Colorado after her third failed so marriage. So she got married after Jake West. Yes, and, and clearly- I could not find a fucking name. <laughs> I couldn't find you- any information. This bitch is just fucking rolling. Yeah, that lets, you, that lets you know that was not a, that was not a long-lasting marriage. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, him and his mama would actually talk on the phone, but they never saw each other again after she moved. So that was oh, it. Wow, so okay. the last time he saw his mama. And Dean ended up getting hired by the Houston Lighting and Power Company as an electrical relay systems tester. Essentially, he was an electrician that had the specific role of doing the system testing. I tried finding more information right. on it, but it was way too over my or, goddamn or how, head. Or how being a vice president of a candy company makes you qualified for that. Well, no, he had his training in the Army. For oh, ele- yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair that's play. Why. There yeah, we yeah. go. Okay, yeah, fair play. Okay. So, 1970. Brooks is 15, so David Owen Brooks, his his accomplice, um, he drops out of school and he moves in with his mom in uh, Beaumont, Texas, but he regularly visits Houston to see his his dad and Dean and saw, yeah, and saw Dean's apartment as a second home. So in true spread the dread fucking fashion. Oh, yeah. Here's the goddamn dread. The murders fucking begin. Yes. And this starts in 1971, Joe. So the very first, well, actually, it, it, uh, it apparently starts in 70. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Way to, way to write that note. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed that. God damn it. Yeah, so okay, let me let me prelude this. Yes. Um, so it is only speculated as far as the date when it comes to Jeffrey Conan because um Brooks wasn't aware, he wasn't able to kind of like testify to say, Hey, I know that where that body's at. We he get, was we, only right. told about it. All right, so we'll get to that. So all right, let's start it off then. We're, we're, shit starts hitting the fans. September twenty fifth of nineteen seventy. You got Jeffrey Conan, eighteen year old college freshman. Who's hitchhiking home? Yep. So what does he just disappear? Yeah, just disappears and ends up in uh, ends up in Dean's boat shed. And we'll learn more about his. Okay, boat so shed. at this point though, September twenty fifth, nineteen seventy, Jeffrey Conan disappears off the face of the earth, yep. and no one's none the wiser. Now we get into October nineteen seventy, mm-hmm. and Brooks, that was David Brooks, correct? Yes, yes. What was his middle? Because you got to have the middle name. David yeah. Owen Brooks. There you go. Because yeah. that makes him sound more like a serial killer. <laughs> uh, Brooks walks in on Dean raping two, count them two, that's uno, dos, uh, teenage boys that are tied up in his bed. Dean promised Brooks that he would give him a car. Yeah. If I mean, that's that's desperate right there. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, like, no, I won't kill you. How about that? That's my <laughs> offer. I won't, I won't fucking murder you as well. I'm not giving you a car. Uh, but he said that, hey, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i give you a car if you keep your mouth shut. And Dean actually bought him yes. a green Corvette. So am I to assume, okay, so I know the candy company shut down. Did he make a good amount of money off of the candy company? Or was he making most of this money for the electric? Thing. I really don't know because I, I actually excluded it a lot from the notes, but Dean also had a few roommates along the t- uh, like along this timeline 
that were like either like co-workers or acquaintances that had no idea what the fuck was going on. Okay. So I don't know if he was just saving all his money for all the sh- bad shit he was doing. It's like, I'm going to need a, I'm gonna need a lot of Corvettes. Or he had money saved up. I really have no idea what his like financial status was. But I, I a green goddamn Corvette yeah. in 70, I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, and Dean later told Brooks that he did kill the boys and Dean actually offered Brooks 200 bucks, which is... A little over $1,400 now in now monies. Yes. Uh, per boy, he could lure yep. to his apartment. Yeah. So telling Brooks, hey, yeah, I raped him, I murdered him. Here's a Corvette. Would Here's you some like money. to bring Fish some more? Yeah. Yep. This leads us to December 13th of 1970. We've got James Glass and Danny Yates, both of which were 14 years old. They were actually lured to Dean's apartment, Joe, mm-hmm. by Brooks. Um, Brooks and Glass knew each other. Glass had been to Dean's apartment actually before. Uh, oh, wow. Is that tied? Yeah, they were tied to opposite sides of Dean's torture board. Raped strangled and then buried in the boat shed that dean rented yes you read that right i misspelled todd but yes (laughs) so so dean had a torture board yes do we get into that later what all that entails or is that something they don't describe it a whole lot but from what i could uh, understand from taking the notes is that it's essentially a board that stood up uh, that could be cuff their wrists, cuff their ankles, and kind of hold them in place. Ah. And so, and is it pers- kind of like that cross? What's that cross thing that people use? Saint, is that a Saint Andrew's cross? I think so. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe not, it, maybe, maybe not same shape, but the same kind of idea yeah, of lashing yeah. someone to a, a, a big piece of wood. Yeah, basically. And, and I will say this up front: I couldn't find a whole lot of details as far as like what tools were found in uh, Coral's fucking uh, toy Because they do mention tools. Yeah. But that's all they say, it's tools. Yeah, I couldn't find any more details. I couldn't even find pictures of evidence. Which, to be fair, with him being technically an electrician or something, you would think just a lot of standard tools. I mean, most of us, I own some of these tools. If you're younger, your parents own some of these tools. I I just don't know what the fuck you're going to do with a goddamn socket set or something, you know? If you're (laughs) fucked up enough and you've, you know, bought enough Corvettes to pay off the right people... (laughs) You could do some experimenting with a socket set. Who fucking knows? The sky's the limit. Chance your arm. Pursue your dreams. If you aim for the stars and miss, you land in the clouds. That's what Dean Coral's teaching us right now. January 30th, 1971. We've got Donald and Jerry Waldrop. Now, Donald's 13. Jerry's 15. They crossed paths while walking home from a friend's, uh, house. A yeah. friend, a friend's house. Did they cross paths with Brooks or with Dean? Uh, actually with both. Oh, okay. And they were, so they were lured into Dean's van. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Free candy in a van. Everybody, this is where the <laughs> stereotype shows up. I was like, maybe this is where it shows up. I'm yeah. For real. Yeah. They were lured into Dean's van and taken to Dean's new apartment at 30, or 3200 Mangum Street, where, as Dean was one to do, he you know, lashed him to his board, raped him, tortured him, and strangled him. And then again, Buried him in the boat shed, which puts us to March 9th. Yes, so March 9th, 1971, Randall Harvey, 15 years old, um, he ended up actually not even being linked to to Dean Coral until 2008. And when we say Dean Coral, again, that's Coral and Company, because 
Brooks, at this point at least, Brooks isn't doing any of the murdering, right? He's just bringing them, right? Yes, yes. He's just luring yeah. them. But again, this is where we say if someone's just talking about Dean Coral in any no, podcast, there are any, yeah, other there's other players. Involved. He had an enabler, young though he may be. Yep. These people were involved. It's Coral and Company. It's not just Dean Coral. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, no, you're fine. Um, so he ended up luring him again to 3200 Mangum Road, um, that apartment there, raped, tortured, and then shot this one in the head and buried him in the boat shed as well. Yeah. That brings us to May 29th, 1971. David Hillegas, 13 years old, and Gregory, uh, Gregory Winkle, 16 years old. Now... I'm going to say this name ahead of time before you know a whole lot about it. But Elmer Wayne Henley was a longtime friend of David. And actually, David Brooks? Yes. Or David Hillegas? Hillegas. Hillegas, Okay, okay, there we go. Um, And ended up actually helping put up missing posters around the Houston Heights neighborhood for David's parents. So he's already actually kind of intertwined without you knowing how intertwined he gets. And spoiler alert, one of the pic- one of the faces you see for the episode of this podcast is Elmer Wayne Henley. Yes. Joe, continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was lured to Dean's um, Mangum Road apartment, and he or they were also raped, tortured, shot in the head, and also buried in the boat shed. Wow. So they, these you know what I'm going to say it ahead of time? It is so weird how often Dean Coral likes to kill two at a time. Like he likes raping, torturing, and killing two at a time pretty consistently. Did they ever say anything about if like he made a victim watch while he did anything yes. to the other victim? Yeah, he enjoyed that. Ah. Uh, yeah, he liked his see audience. See the sick fuck, see the sick mind I've developed in bringing <laughs> This 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 entertainment to are you entertained? <laughs> That's what first is my go go always taking two. It's not a challenge. He wants a fucking spectator. <laughs> Sick ass Candyman fuck. All so, right, so that brings us to August. Joe, go ahead. Yeah, August seventeenth, nineteen seventy one. Reuben Watson Haney, seventeen years old. Brooks ended up crossing paths with him, leaving a Houston movie theater, and he lied to him about a party at Dean's new apartment on uh, San Felipe Street. Wow, so Dean's still, he's just bouncing, eh? Yes. Just bouncing places, right? Places, getting a move on. He's, he's, I like that, man. You know, stick and move, stick and move. That's boxer moves right there. (laughs) What, a Rolling Stone doesn't gather any moss? Or or suspicion, apparently. Yeah, I guess so, too. Well, obviously, Haney agreed. Keeps and- going to that boat shed, though, now. He's gathering a lot of moss in that boat <laughs> shed. I will say that. Uh, yeah, I agree with you there, too. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Haney agreed. He ended up actually tell- uh, calling up his mom and, like, kind of letting her know he was staying the night at Brooks's place. Oh, don't he, lie to your mothers. Uh, well, I mean, technically, he wasn't because he was just like, oh, we're going to go oh, party. Was Brooks, but living? He was-, was Brooks living with Yes and no. Because Off and t- on? Yeah, exactly. Still the whole, like, oh, this is kind of my second home exactly. kind of thing. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so Haney was raped, strangled, and then buried in the boat shed as well. Wow. So in 71. New place. Yeah. Dean moves to 925 Schuller Street. New digs. Now. Old Dean. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a few... There's some inconsistencies, and I'll, I'll we'll talk yeah, more about it later. Down, after, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it later in the in in the in the recording. But there were at this point two unknown victims that ended up being uh, hailed for four days before being killed. Once he got to this new address, we I don't have names. I don't have specific. This is the dates. new one on Schuler Street, right? Yeah, Schuler okay. Street. So Still he, in Houston, though. Yeah, because yeah, this is these this are this was his this, housewarming all... gift for the new fucking place was killing two more. 
you know, most people like to give you like some bread, some salt. Yeah, a bottle know, like, of wine. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, no. He's like, no, give me, give me two boys that can torture for four fucking and, and goddamn no, and days. No, this time, don't tell me their names. <laughs> yeah. So September 1971, uh, Brooks ends up luring Elmer Wayne Henley again. Wow. Okay. Yeah, two All right. Dean's plays. Plot's getting thick as yeah. fuck. Now, Dean, after meeting him, decides to offer Henley the same deal. $200 for each boy he could bring him. Wow. He explained it as a, quote, white slavery, a slavery ring, end quote, operating in Dallas. Remember this too. Jesus. White slaver, a slaverly re- slaver. God damn it. Why can't I say this? The, the, word wizards, right? the wizards of slaverly place? A white slavery ring Thank operating you. in Dallas. But Elmer Henley actually ignored this proposition for a few months, Joe, which takes us into 1972. Yeah. So either in February or March 1972, uh, we have another unknown victim. Right. Brooks and Henley ended up actually bringing back a youth from a stewed wood in 11th Street. So, so all right. So this happened with, with him offering this to Henley in September of 71. Henley turned it down, but now we're into the, you know, February or March of the following year. Henley's on board now. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's needing he's, the money. He's needing the he's 200 bucks. Let's fucking do it. So that's just to bring you guys all up yeah. to speed. Now, if you live in this area, please let me know if you could find out if there was, and I'm not going to say anything else outside of this, if there was a skating rink near Studewood and 11th Street in Houston Heights. Just let me know at some point. I could not find it. Huh. But either way, um, they ended up promising this person they'd smoke pot together and tricked him into actually handcuffing himself. To be fair, if someone wanted to murder me... <laughs> They would have, despite me being a fat kid growing up, <laughs> especially if I was in the age bracketish range of what Dean seems to want, the promise of pot would have done a lot more than like the promise of pop rocks. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> fair, you know, be fair. So, um, you know, like I was saying, you know, <laughs> they end up tricking this unknown victim to handcuff himself. And how they did this is that um, Elmer Wayne oh. Henley acted like he had ex- actually escaped from the handcuffs. But in all actuality, he had the key in his back pocket. So the kid ended up trying to, you know, trying on the cuffs. And at that very moment, he's bound, gagged. You know, you know the fucked up thing this reminds me of? Um, I don't remember. Oh. We were, Gacy. Yeah, I was going to say And I don't know next. because we haven't done a Gacy episode. It's going to happen down the road, but we're, we want to take our time with shit that's that fucking overdone. That doesn't mean Gacy's not still fucking interesting. It's I just love pop, Gacy, by the pop, way. Pop culture's just done him to death. It's not. Yeah. It's just like when someone gets a one, you know, Chumba Wamba Joe. Oh, when God. they did, I get knocked at <laughs> tub thumping. I get knocked down, but I get up again. That's a great fucking song. It's not their fault it got fucking overplayed. Yeah, and it's just yeah. saying, it's not John Wayne Gacy's fault or Ted Bundy that our fucking shit fucking like surface level media curiosity and I like killers. true crime and wine. Like, yeah. I watched the Ted Bundy movie that has Zac Efron in it. So like, I'm pretty <laughs> up to date on Ted Bundy. Cunt, do you know about some shit? 
Hey, tune We're in to, to tune the- in to spread the dread. We'll talk about some Louis Garavito. We'll talk about some fucking Fritz Honka. We'll or talk- who's coming up? Peter fucking Scully. Man, goddamn. I'm not even looking forward to that one. Uh, but but yeah, know. but in that Gacy movie, he did the same thing yeah. where he pretended to escape, but he had that's the exactly did that when shit. I read that. It, it, it yeah. reminded me of it. If that happened in real life, feel free to let us know. I say we'll eventually get to Gacy, but I remember that that movie and, and it had that in there. But go, but go ahead, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're good. You're good. So right. he ended yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, so yeah, he, he tried to escape the cuffs, couldn't. Yep. And then, of course, as was the style at the time with well, Dan Coral, Bellin got whoa, whoa, yeah. wait, I'm seeing Brooks and Henley. Yeah. So Brooks and Henley stated that they actually ended up just leaving him for Dean. So they like, bound and gagged him and then left. Left. Because, oh, uh, motherfuckers, yeah. your accomplices with a capital A now. Yes. And so this person ended up being raped, tortured, and strangled. But it was never disclosed where he was buried. And you would think the boat shed, but I'm pretty sure with how many motherfuckers got put in that boat shed, I haven't seen the notes later on, <laughs> but I'm going to assume the boat shed is found. Yeah. And the bodies oh, yeah. are found, so he put Every him... burying place is found. But now I see here that eventually we're getting up to a new burial site. I'm not uh, going to spoil it, so yeah. who knows at that point. But yeah, Joe, so that brings us to February 9th of 1972 yeah. with Willard Branch Jr. Yeah, 18 years old. Um, this he... might be the first victim that could fucking vote and die in Vietnam at this point, to be at fair. At this point, yeah. So he was actually not even linked to uh, Dean Coral's uh, mass murders um, until July 1985. He was a son of a Houston police officer. His, uh, a police officer. His dad actually died while searching for his boy. Only I wa- one I ever want to kill is the son of a Houston police officer, man. Oh, that's the preacher man song. Yeah, that's I a know. great song. I know, but that was that was uh, award winning taste there. <laughs> If it weren't for bad taste, I'd have no taste at all, except for when it comes with women, because Joe, I love you. <laughs> but continue. So his dad, you know, like I said, I he died while looking for his was boy. Was it like I old age, or did something happen? He or died ca- of a goddamn heart attack. Oh, fuck. Stressed out over Stressed the shit. Stressed out, Fair panicking, play. looking for his boy. Fair play. Um, so uh, Willard Branch Jr. was raped, tortured, emasculated, then shot, then buried in the boat Now, shed. Joe. I think mm. our audience would like to make a thousand percent sure that we all know what emasculated means. Please <laughs> enlighten them. Genitals removed, cut off while he was still alive. Mm. Yep. And to a very, oh my God, a very sensitive zone. So you don't got dick and balls. You don't know. It's an erogenous zone on men and women. How do you think fucking like, you know. Dicks and balls can be erotic, yes. (laughs) You did say eroticus zone, right? (laughs) 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 All right, so anyway, we go to March 24th, 1972. Joe, tell us about Frank Aguirre, who's also 18. Yeah, he was actually uh, an acquaintance of Henley's. Um, Dean and Henley were outside of. God damn, um, so now he's bringing in friends. Yeah. Yeah, acquaintances, people that he was aware of. Um, But yeah, so they were sitting outside of where uh, Aguirre actually worked, which was a restaurant. And they were in his van and Henley ended up calling over Frank and promised him, you know, pot and beer if he went up to Dean's place. 
Well, obviously, Frank follows them back to Dean's. We lost a lot of good boys in the 70s to promises of pot, pot and beer, beer and house parties. Oh, yeah. Especially in Houston. Houston was a, a fucking travesty at this point in time. Yeah. It really was. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he ends up following them back to Dean's. A lot Dean's of prey place. and stuff. What? Like a lot of prey out on the streets. Yeah. Like just, ah, uh, okay. Yeah, fair yeah, play, yeah. fair play. You got to think about Vietnam and all that around uh, around this time. You know, a lot of people trying to live like alternative lifestyles. And, you know, you got a lot of people still hitchhiking before hitchhiking. This, this, but finally this, became this. really scary. And, yeah, so he, he had... He, he had a banquet in fucking front of him. Because you hear it now, you're like, oh, there's a dude waiting outside my work with a van who's promising me pot and beer to go to his house, and he's definitely an adult. Right now, we're just like, dude, if anybody, like, in 2021 <laughs> got in that van, we don't even feel fucking sorry for you. <laughs> no. Like, whatever the fuck happened to but you. But back then, But yeah, yeah back then, yeah, different, yeah. different, different times, different vibes. So, Aguar, uh, Aguar follows them back to Dean's. Uh, after smoking, presumably the marijuana uh <laughs> dean jumps aguire slams his head into a table and handcuffs him uh dean stated in, a, in an interview uh wait in what year oh no that wasn't supposed to be dean that was supposed to be elmer wayne so henley so henley, <laughs> henley stated in an interview in 2010 that he didn't know dean's intentions and begged him not to now to which say i will say henley what the fuck did you expect to happen at this point I don't believe you may have been stupid enough not to know what the fuck Dean was gonna probably do, but don't give me that horseshit. Dean, uh, however, informed Henley what he had done with the last kid Henley lured to his place. So I'm guessing that maybe Coral's telling him, "Hey, bring him here because I want to fuck with them." You know, like uh, sexually fuck with them. Yeah. And well, the like slavery that. ring. That, that, that uh, was kind of, yeah, oh, yeah. There we go, the yeah. white slavery yeah, ring. Yeah, so, and so. because they hadn't seen any violence, maybe because, you know, maybe this wasn't even planned. Maybe he was just sitting out there. I mean, it's near a restaurant. Maybe they were eating another well, restaurant. I love he the sees fact his that, friend and shit fucking goes down. He's like, whoa, 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 I know this well, No, I, I know, I love the fact, though, that Henley's like, look, I brought him so you could sell him off to the highest bidder, and they would do what God only fucking knows. But how dare you, Dean? <laughs> Solely the fucking importance and the ironclad commitment of our friendship by doing to my friend what I thought you were selling him to someone else to do. <laughs> Henley, if you're here and this is Henley still alive, yes. get fucked, fuck. Get <laughs> fucked. No one's buying that shit. So, however, Dean did tell Henley what he did and what he what he did to Aguirre and the uh, the previous ones Henley had brought in, or brought him. Of course, as is the style, raped, tortured, strangled. But this time, Joe. Yes. Papa's got a brand new bag, and by bag, I mean a place to fucking bag dead bodies, and that's at High Island Beach. The boat shed has <laughs> ran out. No vacancy. No, you no, know, no, it's not vacant yet. He just likes popping around. Maxim, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Dean, enjoying the spice of life. I hear you. <laughs> All right, fair play. Now, let's, let's, Joe, let's get into April 20th, 420, 1972. <laughs> I, I bet I'm going to go ahead and say he offered this kid pot. <laughs> Mark Scott, 17 years old, Henley and Brooks knew Scott and ended up actually grabbing him with force. He fought feverishly against Dean binding him and gave up when he saw Henley pointing a gun at his goddamn head. That's a good time to, you know, <laughs> to be like, like all right, all right what's going to happen? Let's see what's behind door number two. Yeah. He was raped, tortured, strangled, and buried at High, uh, High Island Beach. 
His remains have still not been So is this one that was like kind of confessed, but they haven't been able to like put a body to it basically? Yeah, yeah. There's a missing report. There's, there's, you know, commitment to the crime, but still no remains. All right. So now, Joe, we're getting into the, we're getting into deep spring, beginning parts of summer. Mm -hmm. And it looks like Dean was a busy boy in May. May 1972, Henley uh, knocked Brooks unconscious as he was entering Dean's apartment. What is this? Assistant against assistant. Yeah, no, this is craziness. There can be only one. Dean ends up raping Brooks, David Owen Brooks, repeatedly before releasing him. Now, despite this situation, despite this transpiring, Brooks continued assisting Dean and Henley. That... (sighs) That he's been he's been groomed. Well, you know, I I take the shitty stance, and I'm like, boy, I thought I had a shitty boss. <laughs> oh God damn! You know, <laughs> fucking that is terrible. Brooks is fucking fucking Brooks is committed <laughs> to the fucking pact, and that brings us to late May twenty first, nineteen seventy two. Again, we got a duet here, Joe yep. and Billy Balch Jr., seventeen year olds, and seventeen year old, and Johnny DeLome, a sixteen year old, Joe. Yep. Balach Bluch worked for Coral Candy Company. Oh. He was forced to write a letter to his parents claiming that him and Johnny found jobs in Madisonville, ten- uh, Texas. Wow. They were tortured and raped by Dean and laid tied up to Dean's bed. So Dean had like this, like kind of like a four poster bed, like you know you have your four spots. Oh yeah, like kind of so old ca- school way. Yeah, so they're kind of crossed and roped across one another. Now. Henley manually strangles Billy at this point, and in Brooks's confession, because he witnessed everything transpire, okay. Henley then yelled, hey, Johnny, then shot Johnny in the forehead. The bullet ended up exiting through his ear, so he was still alive, and he what? begins pleading uh, not to die, and then Henley manually strangles Johnny as well. Wow. Yeah. Brooks and Henley ended up burying the body at High Island Beach. So this lets you know, like, uh, Dean wasn't really hiding the fact of what he was doing. He was like, it was showcased. It's there for them. Like, you walk into his apartment because you have that that freedom, you're going to see some shit. Now, Henley, this is kind of where he tips into that sadistic side of his personality, his character, is because now he's seeing an opportunity to not only, like... He's, like, identifying with Dean, almost, or inspired. Yeah. And from my understanding, and I couldn't, I actually couldn't validate it, but it may have been that either Billy Bolch or Johnny DeLome or both of them were people that Henley actually didn't like but while they were in oh, school. So okay. he brought them up there and then he kind of fucked them both over with with what he, you know, obviously bring them to Dean and then why he wanted to also partake in the in killing Well, him. it definitely looks like May is when Henley turned a corner because, again, you got Henley knocking Brooks out. Yeah. And yeah. kind of offering it. Then you got Henley, per Brooks's confession, Mm-hmm actively participating in a murder yeah in may of that same year and of course as joe said brooks and henley ended up dead taking the bodies and burying them at high island beach 
So not even a month or month and a half later in July 1972, uh, Dean moves to Westcott Tower apartment. So again, he's still fucking ping ponging. He's Dude, still for moving. Real. I, I'm, every time we signed an apartment, it was at least a six month lease. <laughs> Shit right? was loosey goosey in fucking Houston in the 70s. <laughs> July, so again, July 1972, uh, 72, Billy Riddinger, uh, 19 years old. Ridinger. Was that Ridinger? Oh, yeah, yeah you're Billy right. Ridinger. Yeah. Ridinger. God damn it, I need to get some new glasses. He actually was not You need healed. to get fucking LASIK. I know, right? I'm tired of buying you new glasses. <laughs> he was raped and tortured by Dean, but Brooks pleaded for him to be released, and D- Dean ended up releasing him. Uh, Had he gone to the police, I will say this now, he would have saved at least 14 wow. other motherfuckers. Like, dude was... And and this is why I hate the fucking stigma of homosexuality or or like male oh, especially rape. Especially during this time, there's they, a goddamn they, yeah. amount of shame. Yeah. If he, they if knew there the were cops had, would not give a fuck. Yeah. So if there had not been that amount of shame and like homosexual like fucking hatred, like I feel honestly, uh, Ridinger would have actually went to the cops and prevented fourteen more deaths. I feel but like- because of the era, he kept it to himself. He shut the fuck down. Dealt with it on his own. Like. He was supposedly supposed to do as like a real fucking man, which is fucking cunty bullshit. But mm, soapbox much, eh? He, he, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's the truth, though. It but, is. It really is. But he didn't, and that takes us into July nineteenth of the same year, nineteen seventy-two. Joe was Steven Sickman, seventeen years old. He was not identified until two thousand and eleven. Let you know how far this shit went on, people. Yes. Last seen leaving a party, and he was beaten in the chest, then strangled, and then buried in the boat. Hey, shed. we're back in the boat shed. Yeah. Yep. His remains actually, and I actually had to kind of like, you know, read through shit, then come back to it. His remains were actually misidentified in December of 1993. And we'll talk about that more later. But he was finally correctly identified in March of 2011. Okay. So, so, all right, we're getting towards the end of summer. It's been a cruel, cruel, (laughs) cruel summer of 1972 with Dean Coral and company. August 21st, we got Roy Bunton, 19 years old. Come on down. You're the next (laughs) contestant on fucking Dean Coral's fucking torture board. Yep. Disappeared on his way to work. And I think he was actually going to work at a shoe store. Um, he was shot twice in the head, then buried in the boat shed. Again, remains were misidentified. October wow, 1973, okay. correctly identified November 2011. And Jesus, uh, okay, I'm that's gonna go a ahead. big ass gap there. Yeah, so I, I'm going to tell you now. Uh, the reason why I wanted to interject all this stuff into the notes is because it plays a lot into the later half of this episode, the later half of these notes. So it's important. Fair play. You've never let me down. And if anybody (laughs) listening said, well, she let me down, go fuck yourself. And then come back and finish this episode and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Go ahead, Joe. So this pulls us into October 2nd, 1972. Wally Simonex. Boopy 72. 14 years old. God damn it. I always open my mouth at the Uh, wrong fucking time. Open mouth, insert goddamn foot. Richard Hembry. 13 years old. Fuck, I think 13 is the youngest so far, maybe. Yeah. Okay, I think so. Yeah, last seen getting into a green Corvette. <gasps> we know someone with a green Corvette, don't we, Joe? Uh-huh, Brooks. Mm. Hembry's mother received a call from Richard screaming, Mama, before the call was disconnected. Wow. So, that, that actually, that part of the notes kind of fucked me up. 
So I'm guessing he must have like got Got to a phone in Coral's place. Yeah. And try calling his mama. Fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, kid, that but, killed me. But then part of me, we're thinking about Dean Coral, who likes to get two at a time so that he can watch a reaction. Wonder if he let him. That's a, that's a fair fucking I mean, he's point. fucking binding him to fucking boards. So yeah. the, the idea that a 13-year-old, he's gotten, he's killed and raped and tortured 18, 19, and 17-year-olds. The fact that he couldn't handle a 13-year-old. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I'll go ahead and fucking say it right now. May he rotten fucking ugh, <laughs> Dean Coral. But it wouldn't surprise me, especially with he that probably, being the youngest. Yeah. Especially with that being the youngest that Dean was like seeking... So like, fuck, it could have been Henley at this point. Yeah. Who fucking knows? But that seems, I don't think it's the 13 year old mess. squirreled away and was able to do it. I feel like that was fucking intentional and fuck everybody involved with this shit for that, Joe. Go yes, on. Yes, yeah. So um, what goes down is that after this, this he calls his mom. Uh, supposedly, Henley accidentally shoots Hember in the mouth. So I guess there was some kind of altercation. The gun fucking went off. Yeah, Hember's but, the 13-year-old. Si- Wally Simon, who's the 14. Yes. So um, the bullet actually goes from the mouth and actually exits through his uh, his neck. I guess barely fucking nicking a fucking artery at this point. His cry said, but it wasn't lethal. Yeah, no, it wasn't lethal. This is lethal. now the second time that Henley has shot somebody in a room and not managed to fucking kill him. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to be that guy because y'all fucking know me. This is the kind of motherfucker, don't, like, literally, he's like the NRNA's, or the NRA's worst fucking nightmare. (laughs) This dude does not know what the fuck he's doing with a gun, yet he seems to be the one who's always able to find one and fuck shit up. (laughs) God all fucking mighty, man. Well, the other one went through a fucking ear. Yeah. That's, if if I didn't think he was a fuck up, I would think he was a (laughs) sharpshooter. How do you fuck up that grandiose fucking Henley, you alive piece of shit motherfucker? Go die. So these boys were raped, tortured, strangled, and then buried in the boat shed. Oh. So that was October 2nd. We're now in November. November 12th, 1972, Richard Kepner, 19 years old. He disappeared on his way to a phone booth to call a friend. He was raped, tortured, and strangled, and buried at High Island Beach. His remains um, actually weren't identified until September yeah, of 1983. A little over a decade later, yeah. and then apparently Coral and company took December off to honor the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but got right back at it, Joe. January 20th, 1973. What's the next move? Oh, to Rip Road. Oh, wow. Yeah. Coral found another apartment. Who would have fucking thunk yeah. it? God damn. Yeah. February 1st, 1973, Joseph Lyle, 17 years old. He was last seen being grabbed by Dean Coral. He was raped, strangled, and buried at Jefferson County Beach. His remains uh, were located um, on August of uh, 1983, and they weren't identified until November of 2009. Right. And then we get into March 7th of 1973. Dean actually moved to 2020 Lamar Drive, his father's previous residence, Mm -hmm. and set up shop there. And for the sake of time, Joe, I'm going to plow through this because Dean had a very busy summer of 1973, if I may. June 4th, 1973, William Ray Lawrence is 15 years old. He wasn't actually linked to any of the murders by Dean Corl until 2009. 
phoned his dad about going fishing with some friends and, of course, was raped and tortured, but this time for three days before he was strangulated and was buried at Lake Sam Rayburn. We got a new location there, Joe. Mm -hmm. June 15th of 1973, Raymond Blackburn, 20 years old. We've now reached a new uh, oldest age. Was a married man from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He was hitchhiking out of Houston to see his newborn child yeah. crossed paths with the wrong fucking car, raped and strangled and buried at Lake Sam Rayburn. July 7th of 1973, Homer Garcia, 15 years old, knew Henley from driving school, was shot in the head and chest and left to bleed to death in Dean's bathtub. He was also buried at Lake Sam Rayburn. July 12th, 1973, we got John Sellers, 17 years old, disappeared two days before his 18th birthday. He was shot four times in the chest and was the only victim buried fully clothed, and he was buried at High Island Beach. July 19th, this is now our third one for July. July 19th, 1973, Michael Balch, 15 years old. His older brother was Billy Balch Jr., who Dean had killed a year earlier. In the same particular fashion, Michael Balch was raped, tortured, and strangled, and also buried at Lake Sam Rayburn. His remains were not identified until September of 2010. July 25th, now the fourth murder of July of uh, 1973, July 25th, Marty Jones, oh shit, no, we got doubles up here. Yeah, doubled up again. We got uh, Marty Jones, 18 years old, and Charles Cobble, 17 years old. Now, Jones and Cobble were actually roommates, Joe. Cobble's wife, 17 and married, was pregnant at the point of when he disappeared. Cobble called his dad in hysterics, saying him and Jones had been kidnapped by drug dealers. Uh, we, we don't really know all of what went down, how long they were there, all that other stuff. What we do know is that they were eventually shot twice in the head and buried in the boat shed and to round out the summer of slaughter from 1973 on August 3rd. We got James Dramala, 13 years old. He was last seen riding his bike in Pasadena, Texas, and was kidnapped by Dean Coral and Brooks. Again, people, this is why we specify it is Coral and Company. Called and told his parents he was at a party across town And as is the way it goes, he was raped, tortured, strangled, and again, buried in the boat shed. Now that brings us the most interesting death, Dean's. What? Yeah. Our, our, our hero, I say in quotes, (laughs) protagonist that's also the antagonist, he's He's dying? Yeah. All right. So five, Get, bring it to us. Yeah. Five days later, August 7th, 1973, Henley, who is uh, 17 years old at this point, invited his friend Tim Curley, 19, year old, uh, 19 years old, to 
party at Dean's. Curly was supposedly intended to be another victim. So, and I say supposedly, but you'll see in the vernacular later. Um, the boys ended up getting high and they were drinking. Um, supposedly just not pot. They were like fucking huffing fumes and shit. And around midnight, they end up leaving for food. I guess, uh, I guess, I guess huffing sa- fumes and drinking beer, you get tired and hungry. I, I don't some, fucking know. I got know. some sour diesel and a fucking tankard of kerosene. Let's get fucking <laughs> weird, boys. <laughs> Um, they ended up actually, after they got food, they drove back to Henley's place, but they ended up hearing shit going down across the street. Rhonda Williams, 15 years old, was actually having the shit beat out of her by her fucking drunk dad. And that's the reason for this commotion. Henley ends up intervening and invites Rhonda to Dean's for the night to get away from her dad. And obviously she accepted. And around 3 a.m., now August 8th, obviously, um, they arrived at Dean's and he was fucking livid. So Dean was pissed that yeah. this, this rando girl was there. Yes. Dean stated, because he brought a girl there, that he had, quote, ruined everything. And Dean appeared to calm down only after Henley explained what had happened and ended up giving the the beer or the the teenagers some beer and pot and more fumes to huff. And they eventually passed out from partying. So we're already in August 8th. Right now uh, we're in the, the morning, 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 the daylight morning. Yeah. Henley wakes up, stomach down, ankles bound, mouth taped shut while Dean was putting him in handcuffs. Fuck. Yeah, tables have turned, motherfuckers. Tim and Rhonda were already bound and beside Henley. So that, that's, Tim, that's Tim Curley, the 19-year-old that was probably Ron- supposed to be the victim. Yeah, supposedly. And Rhonda, the innocent 15-year-old across the street who was seeking refuge from her abusive dad. Yeah, They're already bound up and gagged and all that shit. And Tim was already stripped fucking asshole goddamn naked bound beside him. Yes. So realizing Henley was awake, Dean removes his gag and Henley starts protesting what was transpiring. He didn't want this shit to go down. Um, Dean stated uh, Henley had fucked up by bringing a girl to his place and he was going to kill all three of them after doing his usual thing with Tim. He's quoted as saying, man, you blew it bringing that girl. I'm going to kill you all, but first I'm going to have my fun. End quote. Those were actually supposedly quotes from fucking Coral to Henley while all this shit's going down. Yeah. So Dean repeatedly kicked Rhonda in the chest as he uh, as he finished up what he said and then pulls Dean up or Dean pulls up Henley to his feet, takes him into the kitchen, another room and points a 22 caliber at Henley's stomach. Henley calmed Dean down by promising to partake in the torture and killing of Tim and Rhonda. And that's how he ends up getting freed by Dean. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. They end up carrying Tim and Rhonda into the next bedroom, tied them to opposite sides of his torture board. With Tim on his stomach and Rhonda on her back. Now, if anybody knows anything about the female and male anatomy, (laughs) you'll realize why Tim was on his stomach and Rhonda was on her back. And I won't say anymore, although you fucking know your co-host with the most could Joe. Continue. <laughs> God damn. Um, so Dean ends up hen- uh, handing Henley a hunt knife and orders him to cut off Rhonda's clothes. Dean explains he's going to rape and kill Tim. Henley would do the same to Rhonda. 
Dean begins assaulting Tim, i.e. raping him, as he wakes up writhing and shouting. Oh, so Tim was like still knocked yeah, out they were through both, all this. Yeah, they're gotcha. both, like, okay, yeah, both okay. of them are like not even coherent. Then Rhonda comes to. Rhonda says, is this for real? Henley, yes. Rhonda, are you going to do anything about it? Then... That's when Henley finally decides to grab fucking Dean's goddamn gun. Here I come to save the day. Yeah. Fucking pussy bitch. All right. So um, he says, or Henley says, um, you've gone too, f- uh, you've gone far enough, Dean. I can't go any longer. I can't have you kill all my friends. Dean, kill me, Wayne. You won't do it. And let me guess, Wayne didn't kill him. Dean was right. Dean uh, fucking called that shot and said, you pussy no. motherfucker. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but this is funny. Um, Henley shoots Dean in the forehead with that twenty-two caliber pistol at a distance. Am I correct, Joe? Is this Henley is the same one who has managed to shoot someone in the head and it went out it went out their ear. Another one, he's done two headshots prior to this and not fucking killed them in gun training. Dude. Henley better. I haven't looked at the picture yet. Does Lopez he have? Does he? Does he have an eye off? I don't know. No, no what he the doesn't. fuck? Somebody, God, all fucking mighty. Yeah. Oh, gee, go on. I can't. <laughs> I literally can't at this point. As a good born Southern boy who got his rifleman and shotgun merit badge in the Boy Scouts, I can't with this motherfucker at this point. He, God damn it, go, go. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I had. <laughs> I had to take a clear swig of my beer. God because almighty. also, Lopez, the Bajoric stalker, shot himself with a twenty-two caliber. Like, these people do not know. Well, at least <laughs> Lopez didn't have two other examples where he fucked it up. Henley is now <sighs> 0 for 3. He has officially Why is struck out. Why caliber so fucking popular? I don't know. <laughs> Henry, God, I mean, definition of couldn't hit a broadside of a fucking barn. And actually, he would but it would sluice through one of the nail holes that put the barn together, go through the other side, and wouldn't ruffle a fucking feather yeah, of anyone. Dark. What a fucking weird motherfucker he is. <laughs> so again, 22 caliber. If there's a god, distance. he's just taking the piss out of him. He's not intervening to stop a goddamn thing. And then he looks over and he's like, oh shit, Henley has a gun. This will be funny. Boop. And then boom. A bullet Bull out does the ear. Penetrate. Or fucking it Pings off Coral's forehead. God yeah. damn. <laughs> um, so Henley fired two more shots, ended up hitting Dean in the left shoulder, where and then Dean runs out into the hallway. So he's like trying to run away. Henley uh fires three more shots, hit Dean's lower back and shoulder, and finally Dean fell and fucking died. Henley uh, would later state that the only thought he had was that Dean would have been proud of his quick reaction and defense. And how good of a dead eye he fucking was, clearly. <laughs> Go on. Yes. God, this fucking guy. El- Elmer Wayne Henley frees Tim and Rhonda, told them to leave, but Tim said, no, we, we, we should call the cops or call the police. So Henley agrees, l- looks up the number in Dean's phone and calls the cops. 8.24 a.m. So this I'm shit's gonna going down. I'm going to up in Dean's phone book because Dean don't have a phone with something you can look through. No, and it. I thought, I, the only reason I actually put it in there, I'm like, why the fuck's Dean got the goddamn cops in his fucking phone? I, <laughs> yeah. 
I and there's not cell phones at this time. So, like, it's like, I guess maybe his black book. I don't, I don't know. I wonder know. If they, or maybe there's a book near his phone. I don't fucking know. I, who fucking knows at yeah. this point? He's dead. That's good. Henley still sucks at shooting guns. Continue, Joe. <laughs> Uh, so at 824 a.m., um, hands up placing the call to the Pasadena Police Department. Quote, y'all better come here right now. I just killed a man. Waiting for the cops. Henley tells Tim, if you weren't my friend, I could have gotten $200 for you. While being read his Miranda rights, Henley said, quote, I don't care who knows about it. I have to get it off my chest. So obviously Henley's in fucking custody at this point. And yeah. that brings us immediately into indictment, trial, and conviction. He'll never shoot anybody in a non-lethal way <laughs> in the head ever again. <laughs> the world's a safer place. <laughs> and there'll be far God. less ammo used because <laughs> Elmer Wayne Henley is, off is the away from streets. firearms. Goddamn. <laughs> and Dean Coral's dead. This is a win-win. <laughs> August 14th, 1973, um, Brooks and Henley actually underwent a, a psychological so, so evaluation. So did Henley sell out Brooks? He just told it all. Uh, Brooks actually brought himself in. He actually turned himself in. Sorry. Well, I guess when he found out Hen- Henley was arrested, basically. Yeah, okay, he probably went by the apartment and was like, oh, like this is This is done. This dude fucking knocked me out and let Dean rape me. He's gonna fucking tell him. Yeah, exactly. So, again, uh, they went under uh, uh, psychological evaluations. They were deemed fit to stay in trial. Henley ended up getting three counts of murder at this point in time, and his bill was set at $100,000. And Brooks was only, only had one count of murder against him, and his bail was also set at $100,000. Henley, so during the trial, uh, many were called to testify against him, but Henley didn't take the goddamn stand per his attorney's brilliant well, fucking if you think, advice. If you, yeah, if you think about his physical aiming capabilities, could you imagine <laughs> his testimonial aiming capabilities? Yeah, he would have fucking gotten himself convicted of fucking shit that didn't even fucking happen near him. <laughs> fucking cockeyed bastard. <laughs> so on July 16th, the jury ended up actually only deliberating for 92 fucking minutes in, 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 in August 8th ordered to serve 594 fucking years, 99 per victim. Which, if you're Methuselah from the Bible, that's a pretty stout conviction. If you're Elmer Wayne Henley, what that means is you're not getting out, motherfucker. But also, too, if you're decent to math, you'll realize that he got actually convicted for more murders than just the initial three. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Even though I do math for a living, I didn't catch that. (laughs) Who would have thought thought my natty frights and my fucking half-Asian wife would have got the best of me? (laughs) I shot my mouth off like Elmer Wayne Henley shot off guns. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Oh, Oh, okay. So, <laughs> serving his sentence in Anderson County, Texas, he will be eligible for parole in 2025. This wow. motherfucker ain't getting out. I'm just saying, Texas, nah. I'm surprised they didn't give him the fucking te- a, a death penalty. Well, if I'm Texas, Texas, if I let him out, ain't I'd say- Ain't Texas the only state that killed somebody who had some type of mental retardation? Yeah, they killed a retarded person, yeah. I think. And yeah. I think George Bush was presiding over it. I'm not getting into politics, but- <laughs> That's, to me, very ironic. If I'm Texas, if we let him go, just tape two guns to his hands and he won't fucking hurt anybody. (laughs) 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 Certainly no one will die. Oh, my God. 
So David Owen Brooks, um, he was originally indicted for four murders, only charged for William Ray Lawrence, 15 years old, who was killed in uh, June of 1973. The trial lasted less than a week. The jury deliberated only 90 minutes. On, and on March 4th, 1975, he was sentenced to life. Yeah. Brooks showed no emotion. His wife burst into tears. When did he get a wife? Exactly. I have no goddamn idea. I have no idea, and I couldn't fucking cooperate anywhere, but I was just like, I felt like that was of note. How the fuck do you get a wife during all this fucking bullshit? Who has time? I know. Luring fucking young boys to, you know, this man's apartment Uh, who you thought was your dad and, you know, who but fucking raped you and would perform blowjobs on you at fucking 12 years old. Like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, to be fair now, Joe, if someone was offering me, if someone was offering me $200 in 2021... (laughs) To be like, hey, can I come over and suck your dick? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're 36. That's different. Huh? You're 36. That's different. Yeah, that means no one wants to pay me to blow me anymore. <laughs> that's how fucked up this world is, Joe. Uh, but yeah, so he was actually, he served his sentence at the Terrell unit near Rochester, Texas. And everybody, Whoa. we can all we can all agree on this. I'm not talking vaccines. I'm not talking lockdowns. I'm not talking masks. But our good friend COVID-19 <laughs> fucking nailed a grand slam and wiped out fucking Brooks in May 28th of last year at the age of 65. We did it. <laughs> we did it. This podcast is going to bring in the anti-vaxxers, the vaxxers, the people who think COVID's a hoax, the people who watch InfoWars, the people who watch MSNBC, the people who've had COVID, the people who don't think it's existed. You're starting to sound like All a Texas preacher. <laughs> you goddamn right. I'm healing everybody tonight because we're going to do the Unitarian First Baptist Church of COVID-19 <laughs> of Houston, Texas, and we got rid of David Owen Brooks by the grace of our Lord God, COVID-19 Almighty. Woo! <laughs> All right, Joe, now that I shook that holy ghost of COVID-19 <laughs> off of me, let's let's wrap shit up because even though everybody, all right, two of the three are dead, Henley's still in jail at yep. this point, which yep. he, I hope he, you know, fucking finds the wrong end of a nice fucking shower scene out of Oz and gets fucking taken out. Yes, sir. But there's more to the story. Yes. Again, everybody, you guys know this. Like, you, you, if you, I'm telling you, I'm not trying, I'm not even tooting fucking horns. Y'all know we call this the shit show for a fucking reason. But I promise you, there is certainly not another lighthearted slash comedic true crime show out there that does the amount of fucking research that we fucking do. Again, why it's called Coral and Company, because anyone just talking about Dean Coral is ignoring Yep. The role that Henley and Brooks played. Regardless if they yes. were fucking like groomed to be no. that role, they were still assisting Who knows if everything. they if they were not there to bring the boys in, what we may not even fucking know Dean Coral. Mm. His shit may have got shut down quick or the body count was so low that he just kind of fucking disappeared into the 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 big ocean of like, you know, 3 to f- five or six serial killers but a lot of people know about dean coral but do you know about henley do you know about about brooks you do because you love the fucking dread and the dread loves you and we're fucking doing it so now joe speaking of bodies yeah let's talk a little bit about the 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 aftermath of this shit now yeah so an unidentified body 
The 16th body, so we only talk about 15, that was found in the boat shed was in an advanced stage of decomposition. And the investigators assumed he had been killed between 1971 or 1972. The victim was found wearing swimming trunks, cowboy boots, a leather blade, a bracelet, and a t-shirt. Likely killed, obviously, in the summer months. That sounds like my profile picture on Grinder. <laughs> Swim trunks and cowboy boots. You guys, Good I'll let God y'all. Damn. I'll I'll let y'all guess what my fucking name is on there. <laughs> Actually, fucking post that in a comment. What do you think John's Grinder fucking profile <laughs> name would be? Hit me up on IG. Let's fucking get that shit going. Let's get weird. All right, so the body was found buried near the entrance to the boat shed between Steve, uh, Stephen Sickman and Reuben Haney, where otherwise the other bodies of the victims, uh, victims killed between December of 1970 and May of 1971 were actually found at the rear of the shed. Now, possibly the identified 16th victim... Unidentified uh, Sorry, unidentified 16th victim was killed in the late summer or early fall of 1971. Dr. Derek, who was the person that was like kind of overseeing all the um uh the the bodies being dug up right, and kind of right. placing excavations with edits, yes. and all that shit. More than likely she was a forensic uh, or she was a forensic pathologist, but yep. she had reason to believe the victim may have been named Bobby French. She ended up receiving a fucking anonymous package with photos potentially depicting him taken shortly before his murder. Wow. Yeah, and the sender called him Bobby French. Holy shit. But this as another we another goddamn lair. Right. So who and, the fuck and, is this fucking? And, and, who and has this and, shit? And, and this is still Was on, this, a this is still accomplice? ongoing though, right? Yes, it's still going who on knows? to this goddamn yeah, day. Who knows? And that brings up again, we talked about what I think we discussed like, you know, in the high 20s of people they were convicted, but as you note here, Joe, 42 boys vanished in the Houston Heights area yep. between 70 and 73. Yes. So the police actually were criticized for stopping their search for more victims once the murder record of Juan Car- Corona was beat. My, so my, it's my, like, my oh. Corona. <laughs> so they're like, oh, okay, we don't have to do anything else. Like, oh, we'll, we'll get enough notoriety just off of this. Right. Now, the 26th and 27th bodies actually were found with two extra bones. An arm and pelvis were discovered in that same grave at High Island Beach on August 13th. Henley insisted that two further bodies had been buried on the beach in 72. Oh. Yeah, the body of Mark Scott still lies undiscovered at High Island, and I'll explain that a little later, but Lyle's remains were only found by chance in 1983. Wow. Yep. All right. Now, since Hurricane Ike in 2008, the area of uh, High Island Beach where Coral, um, Dean Coral buried victims remains submerged underwater. Likely, it's God's body will never be found by, unless there's a fucking miracle. Wow. Yeah. Former, okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. Former workers at Coral Candy Company recall Coral... Um, Go or Dean Coral doing a lot of digging in the years leading up to 1968 and stated hmm. he was bearing spoiled candy. That's what he stated. He was bearing spoiled candy to avoid contamination by insects. That sounds like a really lousy goddamn excuse. Yeah, like, yeah, no yeah. fucking thought but that's whatsoever. But that's at the tail end. That's like right before the company was going to go under. So, a lot of turmoil, a lot of shit going down. So, more than likely, okay. it, it just, you know, <clears throat> it, it, it escaped. I Explanation. guess. I don't know. 
so um, despite him doing all this, uh, this burying, he ended up actually cementing over the floor as well and had also been digging around ground later converted into a fucking parking lot. How convenient. Oh, yes, ah. yes, 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 sir. So co-workers at HLMP, that was the electrical company that he okay. was working at, Dean had repeatedly kept coils um, of used nylon cord that were going to be thrown out, and which was the same brand of cord that was later used to strangle and bind bodies of many of his victims. Dude was fucking penny pinching where he could. Again, 200, yeah. to 200 a kid, though he had to. You know, <laughs> fucking, we're using rope scraps. I'm fucking broke. I'm not made of money. But this leads everybody into suspecting that Dean may have been begun. He had actually begun killing much earlier than 1970 and may have been abusing youths even prior to that date. Mm. I would certainly, I would certainly, I would certainly uh, believe the abuse yeah. part of it for sure. Yeah. I don't but, think I don't but, think the very first too, but but uh, but Brooks is like oh I just walk in on him killing two two teenagers at the same time he was raping That's, him he was raping yeah, him. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But at that point in time, you're like, oh, there's there's already a certain level of confidence in yeah. committing these crimes. I wonder how long back it goes. I mean. <sighs> That's the kind of stuff, especially when you get someone Why who the starts fuck to. Why are these fucking cops digging up these fucking areas and just trying to put some of these families at ease? Well, again, I revert back to Gacy. I, I, I go, I go back to area. even Gacy. What he had like almost thirty bodies in his crawl space. I actually think it was over thirty, but I'm not sure. But but either I, way, yeah. like, did he only ever put them in his crawl space? Like, that's the kind of shit we're just not gonna fucking know. Or any of that, but I, but I, I bring up Gacy as like a counterpoint. But I mean, anybody once There's you get similarities, yeah. Well, I'm just saying once you get past a certain confirmed body count, yeah, it's really a matter of like, dude, we will probably honestly never fucking know if we if we were able to link um, you know, just like with even Louis Garavito last week, you know, mm. they they linked him to several hundreds. But but there but they had a record of like four hundred plus kids all within his areas disappearing while he was active. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's one of those things. Who fucking knows? But um, Brooks claimed Dean's first murder victim was killed at an apartment located at fifty three thirteen Judaway Street, where Coral had lived prior to September seventy or September nineteen seventy when all this had kicked off. There are two suspiciously long gaps between known victims. Now, you got Reuben Watson Haney, who disappeared on August 17th, and Frank Aguirre, who disappeared on March 24th of the following year. You got a seven-month gap there. And if anything, from from what we've presented, Dean didn't do gaps. He took Christmas off because that's Jesus' month, and he's (laughs) not a fucking heathen. But overall, he was... Fairly active, and a lot of them kind of do. If they're only active for two, you know, one to three years, there's not gaps there. We're not talking someone like, what was it, BTK, yeah. who took like a decade off, you know, trying to fucking push it. We're not talking about that. Most of them don't take gaps that big, so I see what they're saying there. Uh, so what they're saying there, also too, Dean didn't kill between February 1st and June 4th of 73. That's a pretty big gap. But March of 1973... A couple reported to the cops that they saw three men carrying and burying, that rhymed, I'm a rapper apparently, (laughs) a quote, long wrapped bundle at Galveston Beach, which makes sense. Now, it's a one-off. 
to but the other. But it's another location. But it is another beach. Sense. It's another yeah. beach. We know Coral liked those outside of his boat shed. He was fucking around with the beaches. So that kind of fits an MO there. They identified two of the men as Dean and Henley. The third person had long blonde hair. Which fit the description of Brooks. Exactly. The couple watched until one of them angrily walked towards the car with the couple. So they, you know, they obviously were like, fuck that. Let's get the fuck out of here. And they fucking fled. Uh, Two women also saw three men digging at the beach in May 73. We're talking about Galveston Beach still. Uh, One of whom they positively identified as Brooks. Police were again unwilling to expand or extend the search for more bodies. Now, Joe, tell us about this Polaroid image. Yeah. So there was an image uh, depicting a likely unknown victim of Dean's. This image was taken uh, somewhere in either like 72 or 73. So what had happened was in February of 2012, a picture actually was released to the media of a likely unknown victim. Now, the person who uncovered this was actually trying to produce like a documentary um, or documenting what happened and was given access to Henley's stuff. Now, his stuff um, and, and where this image was found um, were actually stored by his family since his arrest in 1973 inside of a dilapidated school bus on the fucking property. They just fucking left it where it stood. And, and almost and 40 it. years later, yes. 73 to 2012, yeah. that's fucked. Why the fuck didn't these cops fucking look it over? Fuck Why you and they- your family, Haney. Yeah. Hanley. Sorry, what the fuck ever. <laughs> fuck you. You no-shot shooting bastard. <laughs> Um, this picture, uh, oh man, it depicts a blonde haired teenager cuffed to an unseen device on Dean's floor beside his toolbox of instruments used for torture. And Henley actually stated, Joe, that the picture was taken after he purchased the Polaroid camera in 72, but adamant that he has no idea who this boy is Mm -hmm. and since henley and dean hooked up in 72 it's likely that this boy was was killed you know after they had already gotten together which brings us Mm -hmm. to the final fucking wrinkle joe joe fucking went hard in the motherfucking paint waka flocka ain't got shit on my girl (laughs) joe Tell us about the, how this also might have been involved in a sex ring. So, a routine investigation in March of 1975 ended up unearthing porno pictures and films with boys as young as fucking eight years old, uh. most from the Houston Heights area. 16 boys were depicted within the films and photos. 11 of them were Dean's known victims who had been identified by this point in time. And the bus ended up leading him to operators in Santa Clara, California. Wow. Yeah. Dean's claim, obviously, of being associated with the Dallas organization that bought and sold boys, quote unquote. Right. The slavery he was talking about. Could have actually been true. Now, two days after the final victims of Dean were dug up, um, I think it was in High High Beach, the Dallas cops uncovered a nationwide homosexual procurement ring. They seized a card filing system containing 10,000, I quoted them as subscribers, and personal details of numerous boys exploited for the fucking ring. Now... 
There is no conclusive evidence that Dean solicited uh, solicited any of the victims, but the Houston police department uh, police department also chose not to pursue the possibility. Oh. They were they Houston police department and between the, the years of sixty nine and seventy five fucking sucked ass. Yeah, they yeah. were they were not just... saying I'm not talking about the ones now. I don't know what the fuck goes on now in Houston, but back then they did not give a shit because right. a they were hoping they were going to close more cases. Uh, exactly. And B, it had to do with homosexuals. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, 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 they're like, oh, we can close this case. Yeah. Or we can not close this case while opening another. Nah, dog. And it involves yeah. fucking gay dudes. Yeah. That's the way they were there. But now Joe arrests were made in Santa mm-hmm. Clara. California that possibly validated Brooks' statements to cops that Dean had told him his first victim was actually buried victims. in count victims, victims sorry yeah, yeah so before all this shit where dean decided <clears throat> to start keeping the boys for himself yes fucking hell yeah. so yes everybody that brings us finally to the long episode but a great one i don't give a fuck what any of y'all say <laughs> i uh, thought it was great i loved the no, i is. loved re- the research i loved reading about it and figuring out, oh, it wasn't just fucking Coral. God damn it. He had two fucking accomplices and a possibility of another one, especially when you get anonymous packages with fucking more evidence well, and who knows straight if, to the if, fucking forensic pathologist. If the thing about the sex ring is true out of Santa Clara, how oh, many other accomplices man. in California? He had to at least have one or more points of contact, which makes them an more, accomplice. And how many more goddamn victims are knows? buried between California and Texas? Who fucking knows, fucking man? But hell, the, man. And this is why I, I stressed to you earlier. I stressed to you earlier. You guys know we don't toot our fucking horn here, but the one thing we can say is we're going to give you fucked up humor, but we're going to give you fucking... And I'm going to tell you straight up, I've had enough of the real fucking dreadheads that I know are about this kind of fucking life reach out and even on popular cases, tell us, hey, I didn't know this. Hey, I didn't know that. I'm not blaming We're y'all. We're just as interested as you yes, are Yes, but we want to dig shit. We're not going to go and fucking copy and paste Wikipedia and make fucking dick and fart jokes, funny though they may be, and tell you that we're, we're giving you some fucking knowledge. Everybody knows we fucking, we, not, we love the dread. We spread the dread. Because we research the dread. We love the fucking dread and we love bringing it to you. But Joe, that wraps up the episode, not on Dean Coral, <laughs> but on Dean Coral and company, Henley and Brooks. Trash trifecta. You're goddamn right they are. I love it. I fucking love it. I love it. The Texas trash trifecta of fucking Henley, Coral, and Brooks. I'm going to spit out my beer just <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and I, I'm going to tell you what, that was a great episode, kudos to Joe for fucking Thank really you. digging out the research on that one, and kudos to me for becoming an evangelical fucking pastor <laughs> for the the Unitarian First Ch- Baptist Church of Houston of COVID-19. <laughs> This was a great fucking episode, Joe. I enjoyed I this. this. I fun. enjoyed all the research. And I think a lot of people are going to listen to this. And if they've listened to anything else about Dean Coral, they'll turn really... off and unsubscribe. <laughs> well, you know what? Then they're fucking assholes because <laughs> that we just shattered their worldview. It wasn't Dean Coral. He had, a, he had two main, uh, again, would we even fucking know about Dean Coral if it was not for Henley and Brooks 
I say no. I say no because he obviously thought it was worth enough of his time but, and money to pay them. But then again, to bring he was already people. doing shit even by the time they were who uh, fucking involved. knows. If, if, but and maybe that's it wouldn't have reached those numbers before he got caught. For fucking sure. For fucking sure. For fucking sure. Dreadheads. This has been a banger episode. We had a lot of fun fucking recording it. I I I know right now you're having a lot of fun fucking listening to it. But it's getting a little bit long in the tooth here, Joe. You took a tremendous amount of notes, but we got them all fucking covered. Yes, you did. We fucking thank did you. that. And we thank you so much for tuning into a brand new episode of Spread the Dread Podcast. As always, Joe, they should remember spreadthedreadpodcast.com. Why? Because it has all the direct links to the most popular podcast streaming services, as well as our BitChute and our YouTube. It has our merchandise store and our donation tiers all listed out. And again, big shout out to our sponsor, Spider Bracket, and to yes. our promo pot, our promo swap of the week, Pursuit of the Paranormal. Thank you all both. Thank you, Spider yeah, Bracket, for absolutely. all the great shit you sent us. And thank you, uh, Pursuit of the Paranormal, for agreeing to do this stuff with us two shitheads here. Uh, be on the lookout this upcoming Sunday coming up is going to be a brand new Fright Flick Fuck Mary Kill for the movie Landmine Goes oh, Click oh. you're going to fucking love that shit we can't wait to hear uh, for you to do that and then a week from now we're going to be doing part two of Tortures and Executions yes. we're finally getting back on it as we continue to roll on through Spooktober the greatest month that a god that didn't existed ever fucking <laughs> laid down upon us we love you, Dreadheads. Absolutely. And as always, I'm John. And I'm Joe. And in the words of our fucking man, Jack Torrance. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here?